Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Friends, our sermon will be based on God's Word this morning from God's Gospel, Matthew chapter 25. We remain standing out of respect and to give glory to the work, the life, the words, the teaching of Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags of gold. And to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled his accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said. I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. See, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Breaking home ties. It's a painting done by the famous American illustrator Norman Rockwell, and it was done for the Saturday Evening Post back 
for September 25th edition, 1954. Six years later, another artist, a friend of Norman Rockwell, someone who, who served very often as a, uh, a, a model for his pictures, offered to buy that painting for $900. His name was Don Tract. And Don Tract held on to that painting throughout his life. In 2005, or just previous to that, Don went into assisted living. And so his sons, David and Don Jr., took the painting and, and said, hey, to the Norman Rockwell Museum, would you keep it on loan? Would you hold it for safekeeping and display? That's when things got interesting. Because art experts started to notice that there were some differences here, some discrepancies. But they said, you know what, maybe it's just because this, this hasn't been cared for very well. It looks a little washed out. Yeah, maybe it looks like it hasn't been cleaned properly, or maybe someone tried attempting to, you know, touch up the colors. Maybe that's why. Well, in 2006, Don Sr. passed away, and his children, knowing that, they, that dad meant this painting to be their inheritance, said, now at this time, we would like to sell the painting to the Norman Rockwell Museum. And that's when they found out some bad news. It wasn't merely washed out. It was a replica. It was a fake. It was worthless. You know, David and Don... Junior were rather distraught by this news that their inheritance, a painting that they thought they would sell for, I don't know, they thought maybe two, three million dollars, completely worthless. Their inheritance, non-existent. Why would dad do this? Why would he say this was the original, I got it from Norman Rockwell myself, and it's not. So they went back to dad's studio. They still had the family home. They started pouring through his notes, his journals. That's when David noticed something interesting. There was a little gap in one of the walls in dad's studio. The brothers pushed the wall back, and, and there behind that wall was the original painting. The original painting that is now known as the most, second most famous of all of Norman Rockwell's, one that is second famous only to saying grace, this picture. So they sell it on auction, but not for two or three million dollars, for 15.4 million dollars. Why do I tell this story? Why do I tell this in connection to Jesus' story, his parable? Well, there's three reasons. There's, there's the first, the obvious reason, hidden treasure. Hidden treasure, it, it doesn't do any good when it's hidden, right? There's the second reason. It's why, why would Don Sr., Don Track, do this? People have guessed. His kids have even speculated. Nobody really knows why he was motivated to hide the painting, not tell his kids, but it all comes down to fear. He was worried that the real one might be lost, that his, that his kids wouldn't get it. 
But that kind of illogical thinking leads to, well, a third reason I'm telling this story is and one that really impacted me when I heard the art story and Jesus' parable. Call it, call it natural fears that flow out of the first one. What if they sold the home? What, what if they never found it? What if they didn't see the gap in the walls and they just carried on? What if even worse? What if the house burned down over the years? Can you imagine if that was just gone, poof, vanished? We heard Jesus' story, a story about using the gifts, the abilities that he's given us. Did it inspire you or terrify you? As you think about that, let me maybe answer personally. There's been times in my life where I've, I've read through this parable and I'm, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm encouraged. I'm like, wow, God's given me gifts, abilities, maybe one, maybe two, maybe three or five, but I get to use them. There's been other times, other times where I've, I've read through this parable and I have some of those fears what if I haven't really understood what my abilities are? What if I'm actually not using them? What if I'm not using them the way God wants me to? What if they're just going to disappear? As you read through this story, one thing that is impressed on us is the is the timing of all of this. As we thought about the art story, well, it's a good thing they found it. It's a good thing they found it when they found it because what if they had sold the house? What if they just got rid of it? And that's, that's a point that Jesus wants us to see with this parable too. Yes, it, it has the stewardship aspect to it that he wants us to use the gifts, the abilities that we have and he wants to use them faithfully. But there's also another aspect to this. He wants us to use them now. This parable comes at the end of a long string of teaching that begins here in Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus and his disciples have a private moment together as they head out to Jerusalem during Holy Week, during the week that Jesus was about to go to the cross and die for our sins. As they were leaving, Jesus points to the temple and he says, do you see all these things, disciples? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then Jesus goes on throughout Matthew chapter 24, throughout all of Matthew chapter 5, and he tells them what it will be like. That's why our parable started out with, again, it will be like. What is the it? It is the coming of the end of the age. It will be like this. Jesus is telling the story to impress on us that there is an urgency to using the gifts and the abilities that God has given us before he returns. So as we go through this story, we're going to look at, at four things about the gifts as we consider that the time, the time is now, the time in between Christ's first coming and his second to use our gifts. We're going to look at this, the nature of God's gifts to us the attitude of the gifted, you and I. Third, the characteristics of the gifter, the one who gives them. And fourth and finally, what's the point? What's the goal? 
with all of these gifts. So let's begin with this, the nature of gifts. And let's look at Matthew chapter 25. Or again, Jesus compares it to a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two. And to another, one. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. This is God's word so far. We're looking in this first part at the nature of gifts. What are the gifts that God gives us? Well, let's start with the story first of all. Maybe you've heard this story before, but you've heard it maybe told as talents. Does that ring a bell? Now, in updated translations of the Bible, it's called bags of gold because we didn't know what talents are. Maybe we're a little more familiar with bags of gold. I don't know about you, though. I don't have bags of gold sitting around, so that doesn't really help either. So what is going on in this parable? Well, first of all, talents, as maybe some of us grew up hearing this story, is talents is a weight or a measurement of precious stones or valuable stones, gold, silver, etc., that's where that comes from. But in terms of bags of gold, how much are one, two, and five bags of gold? A lot of people have speculated, but the average that commentators come out with were what one bag of gold is worth, do you know? It's approximately $1.3 million. So what is, what is God, what is Jesus telling us in this story here? Well, think about it. He just one day decided to go on a trip and he's going to just entrust his wealth, over $10 million, to his servants. To one, he's going to give $6.5 million. To another, 2.6. And to a third one, it's not like, ah, you just get one. No, he made him a millionaire. He said, here you go. Here's $1.3 million. Have at it. And he goes on a trip. What can we learn from this? First, as we consider the, the nature of God's gifts to us, what we know is this, is God gives to us generously. God gives generously good gifts. Just think about that for a moment. Maybe, maybe it seems basic. Maybe it seems elementary. You knew that already. But listen, as we consider this parable, who's, who's the main character here? It's God. It's God. It's this man going on a journey, and what he gives to us are good gifts. He doesn't give to us kind of shabby things like, ah, I'm just going to give you maybe a few pumpkin seeds to plant in the garden while I'm gone. No, he, he gives $1.3 million, at least six, six and a half million to another and everywhere in between. He gives good gifts. We think of Luke chapter 11, where it talks to a group of people who are, who are talking to Jesus about what we can ask God for in prayer. And he says, okay, fathers, come on. If, if your son asks for a fish filet sandwich, how many of you are just going to give him a spider and say, deal with that? Have that for dinner. No, no, you wouldn't do that. You would give him what he needs. And so also, how much more your heavenly father is going to give you 
good gifts, going to give you his Holy Spirit. So our God gives good gifts. He gives generously. He's, he's not stingy. What he's showing us in this parable, he, he is an open-hearted God who gives to us all of the riches in Christ Jesus. And like a cherry on top, he gives you abilities on top of that. He gives you talents, opportunities. We'll get to that. But here's, here's the other thing to remember. He gives you good gifts. He gives them to you. All right, this parable, it's, it's, it's not talking about talents or bags of gold, but, but what is it talking about? It's helpful to know that the gifts that God is talking about here are everything that God gives us. You can remember maybe these four T's to keep it in mind. It's the time that you have, the opportunity and the energies that you have every, every single day. It's the time, it, it's the talents and the abilities, and, and maybe we merely associate just the talents part with this parable because it used to be called the parable of the talents. But it's more than just talents. It's also the treasures. It's, it's the money, it's the things that you have that we can steward to give glory to God, to connect more people to Christ and his community. But above all, what's, what's the fourth key? It's the truth of God's word that he gives to you. He gives you the very gospel, the very message itself of, oh, wait, what's it? That you have a God who gives good, generous gifts to you. This is the nature of God's gifts to you, that he gives all of these things to you, his truth most of all, and he says, these are yours. I'm going away on a trip. I'm coming back. But this is yours. Let's look at the fourth thing. Excuse me, the second thing. What is the attitude of the gifted? We continue on. Now, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. This is God's word so far. We're looking at the attitude of the gifted. In the first part, we see two servants, servants one and two. We could say a lot about these guys. Yeah, they got different amounts. Why is that? Why is different amounts? But guess what? It didn't matter. They, they just went off with this, this spirit of like dutifulness, humble dutifulness that just contentedly took what God had given them and they went to work. They went quickly. They did it 
urgently. And, and this is what we want to focus on, that they went fast. They went fast and they went full of faith and faithfully. Think about this. They were commended by the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. They were full of faith. They were full of trust in their master that he had given them an entrustment. He had given them important things and he would return. It's notable that he was a long time in coming. He went on a long journey and after a long time, he finally came back. But they trusted. They had faith, if you will, that he would come back. And so what did they do? They faithfully went to work. Ask yourself this, are you both full of faith and faithful? We're full of faith. We trust in the promises that God has given us. Think all of the promises. The promises that he will be with us always. The promise that he takes all of our cares and anxieties. The promise that he has forgiven our greatest anxiety, our, our sins. The promise that he died and rose again. Or the promise that he's preparing a mansion for us in heaven and he's coming back to take us to be with him forever. We're full of faith in those promises. And think of how that flows into our life of faith fullness of using our time and talents to get busy while he's gone. Ask ourselves also, is there, is there a gap in between that full of faithfulness, the fullness of trust in his promise, and how that actually impacts how we use the time, the talents, the treasures, and steward the truth that he's given us. We see an example of that with the third servant. And there's a part two of the attitude of those who had been gifted. Here's the man who had received $1.3 million. Remember, he went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know. I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. God's word so far. What the master says and does to this servant is shocking. We, we get it, lazy. Laziness is bad, right? Like it was lazy to just do nothing. It was lazy to just go hide the $1.3 million and, and do nothing to it. But he calls them wicked. He, he calls them wicked and then you read how he treated them after that. Like trash. He threw them outside. He said, away from me, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Translation, he went out. He's not in heaven. He's not enjoying his master's happiness anymore. Everything he had was stripped. He was thrown away. Garbage. Why was he so wicked? What was wicked about what he did? 
What's that? He lied. He lied. He lied about the master, about his character, his, his essence of well, who he is. That's our third part. We're looking at the character of the gifter, the one who had given good things to these servants. Our God, who gives good things to us. The man who had received one bag of gold came, said, Master, I know you. I know who you are. You're a hard man. Is that true? I mean, let's just look at the parable. Is this a hard, cold, unsympathetic, uncaring master? No, no. He gave good, generous, open-handed, open-hearted gifts. Now, let's, let's back up. We're, we're, we're looking at the character of the gifter. Who, who's this parable about? Who, who is the gifter? Who's the man who's going on a long journey? Let's, let's not forget this important detail. It's God. It's Jesus Christ telling a story to his disciples to illustrate what the time in between his present time with them and his time with them in eternity is going to be like. That's what this story is about. This story is not really necessarily about servants or about their abilities. It's about him, him being gone for a time. It's about the gifter. And what do we know about him? Is he a hard man? Is that who the God of the Bible is? uncaring, cold, unsympathetic. You know it's not. We know that according to Psalm 103, we have a God who doesn't treat us according to our sins and iniquities. We know that we have a God who, how does he portray himself throughout scripture? He's the shepherd who runs after a lost sheep. He's the father who who looks at his son who's living in a crazy way and runs after him with open arms and embraces him. And the one other son who's super proud, he loves him all the same. We have a God who who doesn't describe himself or act according to what a hard man is. No, he says, I am the bread of life. I'm going to fill you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to lead you beside still waters. I'm going to lead you in such a way that only has your good, your eternal good, and guess what? Even your earthly good in mind for you. I'm the gate to the sheep pen. That's what I am. I'm going to make sure that nothing gets in and harms you. I'm going to protect you. That's who I am. I'm the vine. You're the branches. You want, you want, you want to produce fruit? Just stay connected to me. I'm going to give you everything that you need. That's our God. Why is this servant described by the master as wicked? Why is he tossed out? It's not, it's not that he was just mismanagement of his goods. It's his attitude. It's his attitude towards the master, towards the gifter. And I think about this. I shared with you before. That as I look at this parable, sometimes it's super inspiring, and sometimes it, it makes me afraid. Sometimes I worry. Do you know why that is? Every time that, I, that I'm fearful, and after all, that's, that's what he says. He's, he's fearful. That's why he hid this. It's because what, what's happening 
is I'm looking at inward, at myself, and my perception or my ideas of how the master will handle me. Oh, he'll be angry if I, if I don't do everything right. Oh, he'll take away my goods if, if I don't use them all the time. But is that how our God cares for us? No, listen to this other accusation that the wicked servant levies against him. He says, I know you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not gathered seed. What is he saying with that? He's saying, you know what? I know who you are. You take things that don't belong to you. Is that true? Well, you think about the story. Is he really taking things that don't belong to him? Well, no. No, he's giving, giving, giving. And, And when it goes well, he's inviting his servants to enjoy all the fruit of that together. Come, come share in your master's happiness. I put you in charge of a few things. I'm going to give you many things. No, no, no. He's not doing it there either. But think about real life. Remember who this parable is about. Do we have a God who, who takes what doesn't belong to him? Well, in one sense... This is where the lazy servant is right. And that is why it's so interesting that his master replies, oh, so you knew. You knew that I harvest where I've not sown and I gather where I've not scattered seed. You knew that about me. Because that's how our God treats us. He actually does that. He he looks at where we have just scattered sin and evil throughout our life and you know what he does? He sows righteousness. He says, you know what? I'm going to take all that sin and I'm I'm going to bring my son and sow fruits of righteousness throughout your life. I'm I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going to take without you even caring your sin and I'm going to give. Oh, oh, you think I'm someone who harvests where I haven't sown. You just takes what doesn't belong to me. Sin does not belong to me. Evil does not belong to me. But I'm going to take all of that from you, all of your mismanagement of talents, all of your self-glorification with your, my talents, and I'm going to give to you peace between me and you. I'm, I'm going to actually give to you a clean conscience. Your sins, they're like scarlet. I'm going to make you as white as wool. And on top of that, I'm going to give you more things to handle and care for. That's the God we have. That, that's the true character, the true essence of the gifter. And he reveals himself. We said it before that that the servant was afraid. That's why he actually did that. Where does that fear come in for you and me in our lives? It's when we don't remember, we don't remember who truly has given us these gifts. It's a good God who has given us generously great gifts. It's a God who has taken things that don't belong to him and given us all of his things. Fourth, what's... What's the point? What's the goal of all this gifting? We read it in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and following. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What's the goal of servants who have received gifts from God, is to offer up proper worship. Done how? In view, through the lens of mercy. 
through the lens of the fact that we do not have a God who is hard, cold, distant, uncaring, and unsympathetic, but we have a God who is merciful. We have a God who has given us things that we don't deserve and taken away the the punishment, the things we do deserve. And in view of that, we offer up proper worship. What's proper worship? We read from Isaiah chapter one where it described worship forms and then said they're improper. What's proper worship? Well, a more clear definition of that word is is thoughtful or logical worship. That as we think or think through what God has given to us, we offer to him what? Our living selves. Everything that we do with our time, with our talents, with our treasures, with the truth that he's given us, we just offer it up to him in everything we do, not just on Sundays, but every day. This is the goal for servants. But remember this parable and who it's about? It's not us. The goal of the master, listen to how he expresses it. He's gone for a long way and then he comes back. And the man with five shows him that he has five more. And his master replies, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two, the same thing, two more. And listen, he says the exact same thing. Whether two or five, what's his goal? It's that you come and share in his happiness. Here's a question. Does God want you to be happy? Of course he does. He wants you to be happy and come share in a very specific kind of happiness, happiness that is joy unending, eternal with him. Just wrap your heads around that for a moment, what God has in store for us and what he wants us to enjoy with him. It's bliss eternal. It's joy unending. It's peace between him forever. And he says, that is yours now. That's what we have with him. That's his goal with giving us gifts. Don and David pushed back a wall to discover that they had an inheritance that was buried there. But you want to know where this story gets really interesting? There wasn't just one painting back there. There was seven. There was seven original paintings. We talk all the time in church about discovering your gifts. I hope you do. I hope you do discover what your talents, your your abilities, how you can use your treasures and your time more to further the truth of the gospel. But more than that, I hope you continue to discover the character, the heart of your God who gives good gifts to you, who is not hard but merciful and who does give things and expect things that he shouldn't, but he gives us grace on top of grace. That, that is the prayer. That as you go and you discover that, you, you live hearing ringing in your, in your ears your Savior's pronouncement to you already, even during the time in between. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.